Saturday morning. It is the Hockey Show. I'm Dave Rothenberg, and this is 98.7 ESPN. I mean, this is the time of the week where you put your feet up. I mean, you just you just enjoy life because you get to listen to an hour worth of hockey, and we have giveaways, and Steve Cangelosi is going to join the show later to break down the devils and the future of this organization and kind of a, a, a how he got started in this business conversation. Uh, Islanders jersey will we'll, uh, start the process of giving that away. Uh, Rangers signed puck will give away. Islanders signed puck will give away. We'll get into a recap of what the Rangers and the locals did this past week around the NHL and, and the look ahead. I mean, it is a one hour. Just commit one hour, and you will have jam-packed hockey conversation and for so many um there's not enough of that and that's what we're going to give you so let's jump right into it um let's let's start with a little uh little giveaway we have one autographed new york rangers puck to giveaway uh very easy to enter Here, here's how you do it um just text goal g-o-a-l goal rangers scored many this week and didn't allow a ton to four four two zero two again that's goal g-o-a-l to four four two zero two we'll select two winners at random and send them signed pucks, all from your home for the hookup, 98.7 ESPN. So that's a nice little nice little start to the show. And then, just to, to whet your appetite a little additionally, the Islanders are also going to give away a, uh, a signed jersey uh, for your chance at that signed jersey. Here's what you do. That's going to be extended through the next couple of weeks. You can enter now through May the 2nd. Just go to NewYorkIslanders.com slash jersey. So a team-signed Islanders jersey Go to NewYorkIslanders.com slash jersey and you have an opportunity uh, to win that. We'll give away one beautifully signed Islanders jersey. All right. So the week that was, let's jump right into it. It's been a a really good week for the Rangers. Now, um, last we were on, of course, the Rangers had a big win against the Islanders. And then we get to last Sunday. Uh, and last Sunday, that was, I guess, last Friday. So it was, it was right before uh, we did the Saturday show. And then... Big win, beat the Islanders, feeling good last Sunday at the Coliseum. Now, Rangers fell behind in this one, did get a point, but they did lose it. So let's break down how we got there. Um, Kyle Palmieri scores for the Islanders. Islanders. It's his ninth of the season on the power play, made it one nothing in the in the first period. Uh, later in the first, and this is these are the goals that I'm sure if you ask David Quinn uh, what haunts you, these are the goals that haunt you. With eight seconds left to go in the first period, Pajot scores his 12th of the year. Islanders take a 2 nothing lead. And I'm sure if you're watching that game at home or listening to it on the radio here on 98.7 ESPN, your thought is, oh, God. We're down 2 nothing to the Islanders. Defensively, they're so staunch and so stout. And how in the world are we going to find our way back in this game? Well, it's the defense that led the Rangers back into the game. He said the defense, yeah, the Rangers' defense started scoring goals. Uh, Hayek scores to cut the deficit in half in the second period, 2-1, his second of the, of the season. And then Brendan Smith scores his third of the year to tie the game at two. That's in the second period. We go all the way through the remainder of the second period, tied at two. No goals at all in the third period, and then it goes to overtime, and, and Ryan Pulak scores uh, his first of the year, of all things, at one thirteen of overtime to give the Islanders a 3-2 to victory in OT. Uh, Sorokin gets the win, stops 21 of the 23 shots thrown his way. So Rangers get the point last Sunday, but obviously a, a, a kind of a bitter pill being that they, they fought back and and uh, had golden opportunities. I think hit the crossbar late stages of the third period in that one. And then Tuesday of this past week, the Rangers took on the Devils. Now, that game is in Jersey. Rangers got a goal in the first period from Mika Zibanejad to go up one to nothing. But Shesterkin was really sensational 
uh, in this one. And coming into this game, so you woke up on Tuesday morning, and it's factually correct that Igor Shesterkin had never had a shutout in the NHL. By the time you went to bed Thursday night, that was no longer the case times two. I'll explain what I'm talking about. So the Rangers take a one nothing lead in the first period. Zabinijad scores the goal um, and it's one nothing. Second period scoreless. So you go into the third period and all of a sudden you're like, this is a very tight game. Rangers need the two points. Um, they make it 2 nothing on a goal from Panarin, his 13th of the season, which all of a sudden kind of puts you at a little bit of ease. And then Buchnevich scores um, to make it 3 nothing. That's that, his 16th of the season. 3 nothing. your final. Like I said earlier, Shesterkin, 27 saves. He was really, really good in this one. And the Rangers beat the Devils in Jersey by the final of 3 nothing. But this was not an easy game by any stretch. Rangers win it 3 nothing, And Shesterkin now had his first ever shutout at the NHL level. Now you flip the calendar to Thursday, a couple days ago this week. This was a different animal altogether. Rangers... 47 seconds in, take a one nothing lead. This is the garden, mind you, against the Devils. Jacob Truba makes it one nothing, his second of the season. So it's one nothing early. Later in the period, uh, Ryan Lingram scores a goal, makes it 2 nothing for the Rangers, his first of the season, and all of a sudden you start to f- think to yourself, you know what, this is an easier game than it was on Tuesday of this week. Panarin makes it 3 nothing, still in the first period at 12 minutes, and you start to believe, you know what, this is going to be an easier game. And it was. The Rangers played really well. Uh, Igor Shesterkin didn't have a ton of shots thrown his way, and they had a 3 nothing lead at the end of the first. In the second, uh, Panarin scores again his 15th of the year, makes it 4 nothing. And the Rangers really, they, they doubled the Islanders as, sh- as far as um, shots are concerned, 33-16 in the game. Now, I thought an interesting note, in the third period, Kraftsoff comes in, scores a really pretty goal. Everyone's excited. His first ever goal in the NHL. Uh, the Devils replay it, review it. It's offsides. It does not count. So no good. But the Rangers outshoot the Devils 33-16 in this one, and they win it by the score of 4 to nothing. So Tuesday, shutout for Shesterkin. He starts again on Thursday, and another shutout for Shesterkin. Uh, Rangers actually outshot the Devils 2-1, to 33-16 in this game. And Blackwell was really good in this one as well. He had three assists, I believe, uh, getting the third star in the game. So really, really good for the Rangers. Excellent week as they get five out of a possible six points. And after the game on Thursday, the win at the Garden against the Devils. David Quinn, head coach of the Rangers, was asked about this victory. Yeah, I thought we were more consistent. Certainly, we were fortunate with our opportunities early. I thought, you know, I think we might have had three or four scoring chances early. We capitalized on all three of them, which really can change the complexion of a game. And, you know, I thought the second period we got away with some stuff. Our goalie had to make some big saves. And uh, I didn't love the way things were going, really. So, you know, we know we've got to be better. We were very fortunate with our opportunities. I thought we were very opportunistic early. And we certainly know we're going to be in store for a very difficult game come Saturday. Uh, he takes absolutely nothing for granted, and I'm sure later today the Rangers will be in for a, a tough matchup against the Devils because it's hard to play the same team over and over and over again, especially a team that, I mean, let's be fair, is not fighting for a playoff spot. So, that you know, everything they do is kind of to prove themselves to their coach and their and their management team about, I want to be here next year. I want to be a future of this club. All right, so I mentioned that Jacob Truba scored the first goal for the Rangers on Thursday night, and after the game, Coach David Quinn was asked, what does Truba mean to this team, to this organization right now? Well, he brings to the table an awful lot of the things that we don't have throughout our lineup. I mean, this guy's a kind of a throwback in a lot of ways to his approach to playing the game. You know, the thing that's underrated about him is his puck skill. I think he can really make a great outlet pass. He plays hard. He creates a mentality in our locker room. He, he means an awful lot to us on and off the ice. And, you know, people have touched on the leadership aspect that he's kind of embraced here this year. And But I certainly like what's going on on the ice as well. 
And the Rangers are not one of the most physical teams in the world, so the fact that they do get a little bit of that kind of play from Truba on the blue line does uh, does certainly help them out. Um, Ryan Lindgren has been terrific as well, and you've seen he and 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 Adam Fox, you know, just really kind of raise a level of their games. And let's take a listen to David Quinn on the the growth of Ryan Lindgren this season. Yeah, I mean, actually, Lindy and I had a conversation today about where he's at in his career, and uh, you know, happy for him. He got that first goal. He's been playing really well. He's been doing a lot of good things offensively, on top of what he brings night in, night out defensively. And when you've got that balance uh, to your game, uh, it certainly helps. And he really has been excellent for the Rangers, a real defensive defenseman and a real compliment to Adam Fox on the blue line. Now, I mentioned the game last Sunday against the Islanders. Rangers trailed 2 nothing, and then a goal from Hayek and a goal from Smith, and that tied it at 2. And then, uh, of course, Thursday of this week, Truba started the scoring and then lingering with the goal as well. So the Rangers, you can feel their defensemen are starting to put, uh, I guess, points on the board, for lack of a better term. And um, David Quinn was asked about the importance of, of the defense being involved in the offense right now. Yeah, I mean, this day and age, you need all five guys involved offensively. We certainly ask our D to be involved offensively, and sometimes it can get a little squirrely when we do. But, you know, if you're going to have success in the National Hockey League offensively this day and age, you need all five guys involved just because teams defend so much better and there's so much video and pre-scouting and things of that nature. So you need to have five guys involved. And, uh, you know, early on in the year, I think we were doing that. I didn't think we were getting all five guys involved when they needed to be, but we are now, and we're getting rewarded offensively. And you can see, I mean, the Rangers this week, they, they get five out of a possible six points, and the defensemen are, are certainly involved in the offense right now. All right, we'll get to the Rangers a little bit later. We'll look ahead to the week, and of course, a, a very busy week uh, for the Rangers in the coming seven days. So let's switch our attention to the Devils. Now, Devils uh, were in Pittsburgh. Uh, actually, the game was in New Jersey last Sunday. Um, it was a rough week for the Devils, I'm going to be honest with you. They fell behind 2 nothing in this one. Now, late first period, Miles Wood lights the lamp to cut the deficit to 2-1. to one. That's when Jake Gensel kind of took over. Um, scores to make it 3-1, scores again to make it 4-1. P.K. Subban cuts the lead to 4-2, to two, but Gensel scores again, making it 5-2. Puts the hat trick on the board, his 18th, 19th, and 20th of the season. And the Devils lose that one last Sunday to Pittsburgh by the final of 5-2. to two. And then the only other games the Devils had this week of these two games to the Rangers against the Rangers Tuesday um, that's in Jersey of course they lose it 3 nothing. we went through the recap of that one Igor Shosturkin was really good Devils played pretty well in that game Shosturkin stopped 27 shots thrown his way as we mentioned for his first career shutout and then a couple days ago on Thursday um at the Garden, Rangers win it by the score of 4-0. Not, not as competitive as the game on Tuesday against the Rangers. So, Lindy Ruff, after the game on Thursday, was asked, what went wrong with your team tonight? I thought lack of detail. Part of that's effort to get to your spot, your defensive assignment. We gave up chances we don't normally give up. We didn't have near the energy we had the other night. Where that energy was, where that lack of effort was, it's a game that was pretty disappointing for us. Now, you can hear the disappointment in his voice as the, I mean, that game was over early. Uh, Truba scores 47 seconds in. By the end of the first period, you're down 3 nothing. The Devils just don't have that kind of firepower to come back in and win a game like that. They have to keep it very close the entirety of the game. More from head coach of the Devils, Lindy Ruff. What's the message that you send to your team after a drubbing like that? 
really to trust how we need to play. We gave ourselves almost every opportunity to get in the game the other night where we played hard. We went through people. We had a lot of plays tonight where bad angles didn't go through people, made some bad decisions with the puck, and those bad decisions led to goals. It led to opportunities. you got to play the game the right way. I felt our back-checking wasn't near as tenacious as it usually is, and when you're not coming back or you can't come back, there's times it looked like just total fatigue. You get caught at the end of a shift, and you get caught at the end of a shift against a fresh line. You get dominated. We got dominated at times. Yeah, it really is true. I mean, the Rangers outshot the Devils 33-16 and looked like the far superior team in that one. Now, like we mentioned, Thursday night, Rangers blanked the Devils. Tuesday night, Rangers blanked the Devils. So give us your take, Lindy Ruff, uh, after the game on Thursday about the Devils scoring drought right now. When you're not scoring and every team goes through stretches where they're not scoring, you still have to play well away from the puck. Uh, you can't cheat the system. And there was times tonight we cheated the system. We got on the wrong side of the puck. When you do get the opportunities, at best, you got to make sure you hit the net or, or you make the play that's there. you got to have confidence that you can make the plays under pressure, under duress. We made a few plays that I thought could have led to goals. Uh, I think we hit three, by the end of the night, hit three posts. And there were some in tight plays I thought we could execute a little bit better. But you just got to stay with it and try that they'll start going in for you. You got to figure the Devils come out a, a little bit stronger uh, later today against the Rangers, a game you can hear right here on uh, 98.7 ESPN. And that's the thing. This is just two of a four-game set, I guess you can say, uh, for these two teams right now. So you're going to see the Rangers and the Devils both Saturday, today, and tomorrow as well. So, Lindy Ruff, how can you improve your play against the Rangers over the next two games? Just go back to a game ago where how, how well we skated as a group. Our five-man attack, when our D were involved, our forwards covered up. But tonight when our D tried to get involved, our forwards didn't get above them. And, and you leave a team like that with, with the speed they have. Our focus two nights ago was to make sure we took away their speed, to make sure we got in front of their speed. And tonight we just didn't do a good job with it. We missed too many assignments. Our angles weren't good enough to slow them up. And, you know, you end up in your zone. You spend too much time there, and it looks like a pretty bad team after a while. And you can hear the frustration in his voice, and understandably so. I mean, the Devils are a team that is looking towards the future, and it's not about wins and losses right now, but he expects the effort. And it, it did appear that Thursday night he did not get what he was certainly looking for. But the Devils have a chance to rebound, right? It's the Rangers later today and tomorrow as well. So it's the same team over and over and over again. All right, speaking of the Devils, the voice of the Devils on the MSG networks on television, Steve Cangelosi. So we'll, we'll chat with him about the future of the Devils, about the organization as a whole about how he got his start in broadcasting all that stuff coming up next right here it's the hockey show steve cangelosi will join us in just a moment i'm dave rothenberg and you're listening to a little nhl conversation on a saturday morning on 98.7 espn the hockey show and I am Dave Rothenberg and it's Saturday morning right here on 98.7 ESPN. I promised you Steve Cangelosi, the voice of the Devils would join us and I always like to deliver on the promises so here he is, the voice of the New Jersey Devils on MSG and some some soccer work as well, the Red Bulls voice, also a a multi-talented guy, Steve Cangelosi. Good morning Steve, how you doing? Good morning Dave, your timing is impeccable to have me on after the Devils get blanked for the second straight time, the only time this season. But here I am. 
Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us. So I kind of wanted to split this into two separate parts. I thought we would spend some time on on the devils and obviously the future and, and the president and where they are and how long you think this will take to kind of reboot this program and then get into your career and, and advice you'd have for young kids trying to break into the industry and, and how you've had the success that you have. So let's start with the devils. Uh, I guess when you talk devils now at this point, it's the future of the team. So kind of walk me through what you see the future in the next couple of years of this organization is going to be. Well, the future includes a big part of the present, and that is Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, who are centers 1 and 1A on this team. Nico is the captain, and those are two building blocks moving forward. I spoke with Tom Fitzgerald, the general manager, earlier this week, and I asked him, has anybody played well enough for you to broaden your definition of the untouchable group that's on this team. And he made a point of telling me, look, no one's untouchable, but you have to look at the way rookie defenseman Ty Smith has played this year. We didn't expect him to command the game as well as he has this year. And I got the feeling he was on the verge of including him in that group. And after that, you know, truth be told, there's a great mystery about how this team will be constructed a few years from now. I think Mackenzie Blackwood clearly has it in him to be a number one goaltender in this league for a decade or more. His athleticism, his professionalism, those are all things that you can consider a cornerstone of your team. But after that, you really get into a gray area. You have what I think is a stud defenseman in Bain and Severson. You have some other impressive parts like Jesper Bratt and Miles Wood. But beyond that, I think we're entering a little bit of a mysterious phase moving forward. They've got some players in the system like Alexander Holtz, who they drafted in the first round of the 2020 draft. And they have cap space as well, Dave. That is a big thing moving forward as a lot of other teams in the National Hockey League will face a cap crunch beginning this summer. And how they use that, how well they use that, I think, determines how quickly they are rebooted, to use uh, the phrase that you said. Um, let me ask you about the, the current now. I, I mean, do you think that they've had conversations about, well, we're not going anywhere this year, right? Obviously, we're, we're playing for a draft pick and we're trying to you know, test out the young guys and see what we have for the future. But do you think the conversation has been had that, guys, we can go out there and we can play spoiler? Because I know that David Quinn has talked about quite a bit with the Rangers as far as, you know, in past years. We're not going to the postseason. We understand that. But there's no reason we can't go out there and be spoiler and, and break the hearts of these other teams. Is that something that you think is kind of preached with Lindy Ruff and the staff right now about what the Devils can do moving forward? I think it is their reality, and I think that building a winning culture is part and parcel with that. There are only two teams, as we have this conversation, that they're done with on the schedule this year, the Washington Capitals and the Buffalo Sabres. Everybody else is playing for something tangible. Those teams are motivated from top to bottom. Their roster is constructed a little bit more formidably. And this is part of the education of a young team. These are their playoffs, truth be told. How they measure up in these games against teams like the Rangers and the Flyers and the Penguins, who they have three times earlier this week, you're going to start to tell who's made of what and whether or not they're willing and able to stand up to a difficult situation right now. You know, the other reality is this. The team that we've seen lose the last couple of nights against the Rangers 
is not the team that existed only a few weeks ago. Travis Ajak, Kyle Palmieri are now Islanders. Dmitry Kulikov, Sammy Votnin departed this team at the deadline. Votnin was waived and picked up by Dallas, and they're trying to get going in the Western Conference. So this is a differently constructed team than what we saw you know, not even a month ago. So you've got to be able to take all of that. And as Lindy Ruff said, players leaving the organization means opportunities for others. This is your chance to show us that you can be part of this moving forward. Can they be a spoiler? Yes, absolutely. They need to play much better than they did the last two games. Uh, the voice of the devil, Steve Cangelosi, joining us here on 9870 ESPN on the Hockey Show. Uh, today, 1230, uh, and tomorrow, 3 o'clock, Devils and the Rangers in back-to-back games. So uh, you, you mentioned that the guys are going to get opportunities that they probably wouldn't have had otherwise, Steve. Are there auditions going on? Like, like, is that what this is like? Is it like if you play well down the stretch here, you may or may not be here or may or may not be with the big club next season? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And I think there are, you know, maybe seven or eight guys who are in that category about whether or not they'll be part of this moving forward. Uh, A guy like Nick Merkley, who'll probably find himself in the lineup today for a third straight game. Uh, Now, let me be clear. They've had some rookie success stories this year for the simple reason that they've relied more on first-year players than most teams in the NHL. I think players like Yegor Sharangovich, Gane Kwokinen, these are first-year guys who've shown they have the medal to be in the NHL long-term. Sharangovich is a terrific two-way player who has a heck of a shot. He's going to be, I think, a top-six player for this franchise moving forward. Kwokinen was a guy who was acquired by this team last year from Carolina. He also has shown that he's an NHL player, and I actually think he has a great chance to go to the Olympics next year if NHL players do indeed participate as part of Team Finland. So in the midst of all this frustration, there have been individual success stories. And to answer your question, I think they've already identified a lot of young players who necessarily weren't on the radar three months ago who now fall into that category of, yeah, they're part of this moving forward. They just need to get a lot deeper to really elevate the game of players like Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, who, again, are the core of this franchise moving forward. So how long do you think? I mean, and again, I know we don't have a definitive idea, but I I mean, next year, if they have a great offseason, is this a team that compete for a playoff spot? or Is this two years down the road? Like, what what do you think the real time frame is for the Devils moving forward of, of how long it takes until they're at least competing for a playoff spot? That is always the tricky question. And let me give you an example of how tricky that can be. The last time they went to the playoffs in 2017-18, which was Taylor Hall's Hart Trophy winning season, I remember having a conversation with somebody in the league whose opinion I respect very much. And I asked him essentially the same question you asked me. I said, what do you think? And he said, two years. He goes, you need two years before we can have you in the conversation of teams that are really contending for the top prize. What's happened in the past two years? Well, they went out. They made some acquisitions that did not pan out. They had to trade Taylor Hall when last season fell apart. So, again, these things are very hard to predict. 
What I do think is that there's a timeline here of roughly two to three years. And I'm talking that conversation of being part of the elite contenders in the league where teams like Colorado and Washington and maybe the Islanders are at this point. They need finishers here. Dave, and, and that's something that's not hard to find. I think that's something that they'll have to identify with the cap space that I referenced early on. You know, Kyle Palmieri was a hell of a player for this team, and I understand why they had to give him up. I understand that there wasn't going to be a long-term contract resolution, but those players are hard to find, the pure finishers. I think they've got one right now cooking in the system in Alexander Holtz. But again, how much can you put on the plate of a player who has not celebrated his 20th birthday to this point? Um, If Tom Fitzgerald plays his cards right, the building blocks are there for this team to be very good two seasons from now. But I think what's most important, and I think the fan base would agree with me, because it's a fan base that's used to success and one now that has become impatient, really, over the past nine years. With one postseason appearance in that span, again, you have to start creating a winning culture. Next year is going to be Jack Hughes' third year in the National Hockey League. You can't have the same results again next year that you had this season in a truncated 56-game year. There has to be progress, and I think that next year is so critical in that process of this team getting to where it really wants to be. Uh, you mentioned Mackenzie Blackwood earlier during this conversation. You said you think he's the, you, you do believe he is the future netminder of this team. How good yep. can he be? Like, Do you look at Blackwood and say to yourself, he can be one of the, the better goaltenders in the NHL? Yeah, I do. Uh, And, you know, everybody has a different definition of the best of the best. So I'll try to ballpark this where I really do believe he can be one of the five best at the position in the National Hockey League at some point. He was lights out at the start of this year. And then a lot of it just went off the rails. Some of that had to do with the illness that he sustained. He was the first Devils player to go on COVID protocol. And yes, he admitted he tested positive. He did get sick. And it took him a long time to come back from that. He had a couple of extraordinary games after a few weeks coming back where you said to yourself, yeah, uh, he's back. And then in a team sense, it kind of went bad again. And I think his game tailed away at about the same time. You know, he's winless now in seven starts going into this weekend's back-to-back against the Rangers. But the thing that comes to mind with Mackenzie Blackwood is intelligence and athleticism. He is an athletic specimen, one of the strongest players you will find in the National Hockey League, regardless of position. And I think he has that moving forward. He lost a very good goaltending coach last year in Roly Melanson, but I think the slack was picked up this year with the group that's now in charge with the Devils, and I think it's going to go well for him moving forward. I think the whole thing is part and parcel with how the team plays and how the team in front of him defends. You know, Igor Shesterkin was a hero. The Rangers did a lot for him. They blocked a lot of shots in front of him in that game. And I think that as this team gets stronger defensively, you're going to see the very best of Mackenzie Blackwood. He's shown enough for me at, you know, uh, the young age of, uh, of 24 
that he can be the number one long-term for this franchise. On the list of things that I think they seriously have to address, a number one goaltender is not one of them. And remember, he was supposed to share the duties with Corey Crawford this year. That was supposed to be a 1-1A proposition. And five days before the season begins, Corey Crawford announces he's retiring from the NHL. So again, there was a very big adjustment for him this year. All right, there's kind of our halfway point. Let's take a quick break, come back. When we do with Steve Cangelosi, the voice of the Devils on MSG, we'll get into how he wound up as the voice of the Devils and his entirety of his career. That's next right here. It's the Hockey Show. Dave Rothenberg with you on ESPN Radio. Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Eric with this week's Hockey (laughs) Trivia. Okay, Devils Nation, this one's for you. Hall of Famer Martin Brodeur played in 1,259 games for the franchise. That ranks him number two. Who is number one for the team from Jersey in games played? Back after this with the answer. Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Eric with this week's Hockey (laughs) Trivia. Did you know the Devils' all-time leader in games played? If you said number three, Ken Danico, you would be correct. And welcome back. This is The Hockey Show. Dave Rothenberg with you on 98.7 ESPN. Part one of the Steve Cangelosi interview, the voice of the Devils, you just heard. Part two is on the way in just a moment. How about this, what Steve has coming up today? 12.30 today, MSG Plus, it's the Rangers and the Devils. That game ends, what, 4, 4.30? Then tonight, Steve's going to be on the call for the Red Bulls season opener against Sporting Kansas City. That's 8 o'clock on MSG. Steve, you have quite a busy day today, don't you? Yeah, I've had a busy week. You know, the idea <laughs> is to get everything you need done well before the red light goes on and the broadcast begins. The situation today, it's nothing unique. I've done it, you know, I would say many times, and I'm actually in this situation three times between now and May 8th, where, you know, you're calling two different sports in two different venues on the same day, and it's a labor of love. You'd be surprised. I'm pretty wiped out by the end of the night, but you know, the energy of the game, the energy of the broadcast, the energy from the other people that you work with, that typically carries you throughout the day. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there have been certain occasions where I've done two in one day and certain rare occasions where I've actually called three games in one day. I remember doing that with the Olympics at NBC, Olympic soccer. We did three games in one day. And it it could be dizzying in terms of names and number recognition by the end of the night, but uh, it's all good. No, I know. And I I have the same. You know, I do so many different things, and people say, don't you get tired? Like, these are good problems to have. So so let's take us in the way back (laughs) machine. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, these are are high-class problems. How did you get started? Like people say to me all the time, when, when did you know? I knew when I was little. Did you know when you were little that you wanted to get into play-by-play broadcasting? Like this was always what you wanted to do? Uh, yeah, probably when I was in my early teens. Uh, when it really hit me, you know, a lot of people have heroes on the playing field. I guess when I was younger, I was, you know, a, a kid with a bit of a screw loose and that my heroes were – the people behind the microphone and the people I would read in newspapers. Okay. Uh, you know, I had favorite columnists and favorite sports announcers. I mean, one that just comes to mind is, 
you know, I, I speak off the top as we have this conversation. I just remember Kurt Gowdy. And, uh, you know, uh, for you and your listeners, I don't know, you know, who that resonates with exactly. But Gowdy was just a legendary voice on NBC Sports for many years and called the NFL. And I remember thinking to myself, probably in my mid-teens, you know, if I can sound like somebody, I'd like to sound like that guy. He, he was a perfect pairing with Aldi Regattas when they used to do uh, the NFL together on NBC, or at least I thought so. I just thought it all worked together. Uh, you know, for the longest time growing up in New York, how can you not have an affinity for Marv Albert, who was uh, the voice of uh, the Nixon Rangers and did so many other things over the years. So, you know, I identified it then. I think the question is, you know, are you willing to hang with it long enough in order to make, you know, a real career out of it? My first job was on SportsPhone, and I know a lot of the local announcers uh, in the area can relate to this. Michael Kay, uh, Bob Papa, uh, John Gianone, one of my good friends uh, at the MSG Network. Uh, uh, you know, all of us were announcers for the Dialet Service, which was 9761313 pre-internet, where people can call up and get scores of games and sports news. And, you know, the one thing you had to have in order to do that job was the ability to speak clearly and speak quickly. Uh, uh, we would have to give 30 scores in 60 seconds for people calling up and spending their good dime to get the info. But, you know, you kind of crafted your voice and uh, you needed to be on top of things and you needed to know sports. And, you know, I was doing that probably by the time I was 19 years old. And uh, then I was in radio for a long time after that. And uh, uh, my career at MSG Network began uh, in the year 2000. And that's been a 21-year stay that's been just utterly enjoyable and probably beyond my wildest dreams when I was a young kid. Uh, it's amazing. I remember being out with my friends as a kid. And then this is, is dating both of us. And it's just like, I'm like, guys, I got to go. I got to, first of all, I got to find a payphone. I'm sure a lot of people listening right now, mm -hmm. pay, what would it, what in fact is a payphone? But I'd say, I got to find a payphone. Why? There's a big game going on. And, and everybody now is so spoiled, Steve, where they just, you know, they took, turn their phones on and they got, I mean, they watch the game. You go out with your friends, you just watch the game. You put it on your phone and you watch it. But we used to have to find payphones, yeah. call, and what's going on. And then if it was an update, you'd have to call back. I mean, we used to walk around with change to call and find out what was happening. But you, you talk about the internet this is so long ago we it's it's such a a different era of where we are now but i distinctly remember it but so so all right so you go from sports phone and then you get into radio so just kind of walk us through that next step and then how you wound up at msg yeah i guess my first job in radio was at the now defunct wnew am uh it used to be 1130 on the am dial and uh the giants I games were on 1130 weren't they what was that? The, the New York football giants were on uh, WNEW, I believe, right? Yeah, and I was there just as the Giants had become Super Bowl champions. Uh, this was January of 87, and I think I started uh, just a few months after that. Uh, it was also the flagship station of uh, the Nixon Rangers at the time, too. So it was, it was a huge, huge uh, sports radio station uh, that played the standards during the day. Uh, Sinatra, Ellis Fitzgerald, but there was a great sports presence on 1130, and I had landed a job as a part-time producer 
and part-time afternoon sportscaster uh, for uh, a show that didn't last very long, but enabled me to get my big break. And uh, months later, as that was petering out, 1010 Wins uh, in New York City had hired me to become their afternoon drive sportscaster. And I was there for a few years. I knew I wanted to do television, and I knew ultimately I wanted to do play-by-play. Um, I was the host of uh, a nightly sports talk show on New York One, the 24-hour news station in New York. Uh, I did a lot of radio. I always tried to do a lot of radio because I believed in radio. I loved radio. And I was uh, at ESPN in Bristol um, for a good stretch as well, uh, working two jobs at once. And when MSG Network uh, finally took me aboard in 2000. It was not on my first try. It was probably the fourth or fifth time I was knocking on their door. And I think they just got tired of hearing me ask for a job. So they hired me just to get them off their back. And that turned into a 21 year stay as we have this conversation. That's um, great. It's great. But, I mean, everybody you know, initially knows I was the, uh, uh, I was uh, an anchor at the sports desk uh, for several years. And I always knew in the back of my mind I wanted to transform that into play-by-play. And when there were changes on the Devils broadcast crew, uh, I want to say this was 2006, uh, it was an opportunity to host their pregame show but also fill in for the legendary Mike Emmerich, uh, who would take more time away from the broadcast than most because he was always in demand. Dave, whether it was, uh, you know, the network jobs or, you know, time out of the United States during the Olympics, you know, all of that. He needed time off. And, you know, that had opened the door for me to call NHL games for the first time, filling in for Mike. And, uh, you know, there was no guarantee that when Emmerich left to go to NBC full time, I was going to get the job. But I had a great relationship with Lou Lamorello at the time, who was the general manager. And also, I think I had won the trust of uh, the decision makers at MSG. So that was 10 years ago. And uh, I'm now in the process over the next few weeks of completing my 10th year. Uh, wow. With the New Jersey Devils as a the full-time play-by-play guy. Uh, you, you are a staple of New York sports at this point. We've had you forever. I appreciate it. One more quick one, and we'll let you run. And that is, because I get this all the time, and I, I want to see if it, it's a similar answer. Um, you know, you talk to, to, to kids that are trying to get into this industry. Now, a couple things. Firstly, mm-hmm. there's a lot more opportunities. There's a lot more avenues, and it's also probably more competitive than when you and I tried to break in. So what, what is the general theme, the message that you'll, you'll give to young people trying to get into sportscasting? Uh, I think that's fair to say. Uh, it's a more crowded marketplace now, and it's easier to get lost, I think, in that marketplace. And I think there are probably some people who take shortcuts <laughs> in an effort to uh, – to get noticed and stand out from the rest. And I understand and appreciate all of that. Uh, It's, it's probably something that I would need to expand on for more than just the 20 or so seconds that I probably have here. The one advice that I think is universal, uh, the two bits of advice that I think are universal. Number one, know how to work with other people. Okay. Uh, I think there are certain jobs in this business where you can be individualistic, uh, but more often than not, you're going to need to be a team player. You're only going to be as good as you make everyone around you and they make you. 
And the other thing, be nice to people. You'd be surprised how far that goes. I think we could take that even one step further and just into your everyday life as well. Listen, Steve, ha- yeah. have a great day today. Have a great call of the, the, uh, the Rangers and the Devils. Have a great call of the, uh, of the Red Bulls game. Uh, we appreciate a couple minutes here. Enjoy the day, and thanks so much. And hopefully we'll get a chance to catch up soon. Thanks, Dave. This was terrific. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. That, of course, is Steve Cangelosi joining us here on the Hockey Show. We'll take a quick break, come back, and get you ready for the week that's going to happen around with the locals, the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Devils. It's the Hockey Show. It's Dave Rothenberg with you on a Saturday morning right here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, it is the Hockey Show, Saturday morning. Rothenberg with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. So, big thanks to Steve Cangelosi for joining us and kind of getting into the Devils. And, of course, we're gearing up for the home stretch of the NHL right now. And I saved it. I mean, this is what I like to do. I like to save treats for you guys towards the end of the show. And I have not one. You'd say, well, what's the treat? It's not a treat. It's multiple treats. Let me explain what I mean here. We'll hear from um, Coach Quinn, Rangers head coach, in just a moment. He was on DCR earlier in the week, so we'll take a listen to that. And, of course, we'll go through the schedules and say thank you and get you ready for Joe Wiz and all that kind of good stuff. But here we go. We have one autographed New York Islanders puck to give away. One New York Islanders puck to give away. It's easy to enter. Here's what you do. You text GOAL, G-O-A-L, to 44202. Again, that's GOAL, G-O-A-L, to 44202. We'll select two winners, two at random, and send them the signed pucks, all from your home for the hookup, 98.7 ESPN. So someone today is walking away with two signed Islanders pucks. That's for starters. And you say, well, that's a nice entree. What's what's the dessert? What's the, the cherry on top of this whole thing? Well, here it is. The Islanders are also giving you a chance to win a signed jersey by the team. You can enter now through May 2nd, and you can do that by going to NewYorkIslanders.com slash jersey. Let me give that to you again. Islanders team signed jersey. We're going to give it away via this show, and you can enter through May 2nd on NewYorkIslanders.com. That's NewYorkIslanders.com slash jersey. So we're not just here for the good hockey conversation. We try to expand your uh, collection of goodies as well. All right, so David Quinn was on with DCR. That's uh, DiPietro Canti and Rothenberg, myself, on 98.7 ESPN every Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 on 98.7. Uh, it's always a fun conversation. He's a great guy. It's entertaining. It's interesting. It's informative. All those things. Uh, and we asked him, uh, how important are the games? Because we know the game, like you're playing the Bruins, mightily important. It's a two-point swing either way. But how important are the games against the bottom two teams right now in this division? I really believe that the games with the Devils and Buffalo, for the teams that are fighting for these playoff spots, they're going to determine who makes the playoff and who playoffs and who doesn't. And, you know, you'll make a big, big mistake if you show up to these games thinking that you're just going to win them. These teams are very dangerous. They have nothing to lose. They play, they play hard, and they make it hard on people. And, you know, the Devils games and the Buffalo games, for the Rangers, for Philly, for Boston, those games are going to determine who makes the playoffs or not. And, and all these teams are going to have to take care of business. You can't leave points. And the Rangers did it a couple of weeks ago. They had two games against Buffalo. They won the first game. They led the second game by a goal. Uh, Buffalo scored late stages of the third period. And then they won that game in a shootout. It's, it's a point lost. And you know what? It's so tight right now in this division. You just can't afford 
for that to happen. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken to a coach over the years and asked them, you know, your team is right there. You're fighting for a, whatever it is, a playoff spot, a, a berth into a tournament, whatever, whatever the case may be. And I'll say, do you look at the scoreboard? Do you look up or watch another game? And almost exclusively, I get, nope. We focus on our business. Even Joe Judge this year was asked about it. Do you, are you going to be watching this other game? No, we focus on our business and whatever happens, happens. And it's actually refreshing to get an answer like this. So I asked David Quinn, will you scoreboard watch down the stretch with these other teams you're competing with and for and against? And here's his answer. Yeah, right. I follow those games. Those games. <laughs> Absolutely. Every coach pays attention to those things. I mean, it's your livelihood, right? And, you know, what goes on in those games determines what's going to happen with us. And, you know, obviously we do control our own fate to a large degree, but our fate's a little bit easier to handle if some things fall in our favor with the games, that, within our, especially with the setup we have this year. You know, with the game, the game all, every game's a division game. Every game is a two-point swing. And think about this, right? I mean, he mentioned Buffalo and and, um, and the Devils and how important their games are and how important the games are against them. Well, the other night, Buffalo beat Washington. I mean, Buffalo, since they've lost like 47 games in a row, has played better hockey and competed at a high level. So don't think that any of these games are gimmies. And I like the fact that I love the fact that he's human, that he shows you, of course I care. Of course I want to know what's going on. All right, so... That's that's what's going on with the Rangers. That's what's going on with David Quinn. We told you about how you can win the Islanders pucks and the Islanders jersey with the big giveaway on May 2nd. This is what we do at this portion of the show, and that's the look ahead. We look at what the Rangers have this coming week, the Islanders have this coming week, uh, and the Devils as well. So let's do that right now. Um, today, uh, the Rangers take on the Devils. Now, that game is, is again, like it was the other night, it's going to be at the Garden. Uh, get started at noon right here on 9870 ESPN. A little piece of information, Igor Shesterkin, who's had two consecutive shutouts against the Devils. I guess it'll look to make it three in a row as he uh, starts in between the pipes for the Rangers. So that's today, noon, 98.7. Tomorrow, same two teams, different venue. Rangers at the Devils. That's a 2.30 game, uh, and you can catch that one on 10.50 a.m. Very busy week for the Rangers, so pay close attention here. On Tuesday night, the Rangers go to the island to take on the Islanders. That's a 6.30 start, and you can get that one on 10.50 a.m. So that's the Rangers' third game, and now we're only at Tuesday. Uh, and then on Thursday... The Rangers have their first of two against the Flyers this week. That's on 98.7 ESPN, home at the Garden against Philadelphia, and that uh, gets started at 6.30 p.m. And then next Friday, uh, it's the Rangers and the Flyers again, also on 98.7 ESPN, and that also gets started at 6.30. So this is a really big week for the Rangers. It's today and tomorrow against the Devils. It's Tuesday uh, against the Islanders, and then Thursday and Friday at home against the Philadelphia Flyers. What does the Islanders' schedule look like? Not nearly as hectic, not nearly as busy for the Isles. Well, tomorrow, uh, 6 o'clock, at the Flyers taking on Philadelphia. That's on 98.7 ESPN. Tuesday night, 6.30, as we mentioned, they take on the Rangers and catch that game on 10.50. And it's a 6.30 start as well. And then Thursday night, uh, they take on the Washington Capitals. That's a home game. It'll be at the Coliseum. That's also a 6.30 start. And catch that one right here on 98.7 ESPN. So again, Islanders, much lighter week than the Rangers. Three games tomorrow at Philly. Tuesday, home to the Rangers. Thursday, home to the Capitals. And we talked about a team that can play spoiler in this whole thing. And they really can. You, you listen to the schedule upcoming for the Devils. It's today 
uh, against the Rangers. That, of course, a noon start right here on 98.7 ESPN. Now, the Rangers have had their way with the Devils last couple games, but it means nothing. Got to uh, put your nose to the grindstone and finish this one out. So today... Um, they're at the Rangers, noon, 98.7 ESPN. Tomorrow, uh, the venue shifts. It's in New Jersey, still against the Rangers. 2.30 start. You can catch that one on 10.50 a.m. And then it's Pittsburgh twice. Tuesday at Pittsburgh, 7 o'clock start. Thursday at Pittsburgh, 7 o'clock start as well. So Rangers play 5 Islanders play three, Devils play two. But unless the Devils are playing the Sabres, I mean, every Devils game really does have maximum importance in this division because they're home against the Rangers, they're at the Rangers, and then they're at Pittsburgh on Tuesday and Thursday. So so there you have it. That's the way the schedule looks. We appreciate a couple minutes of listening to uh, David Quinn, and we get you ready for another what should be great week of hockey. We'd like to give a, a couple of thanks out there, according to producer Andy from Merrick. Of course, we'd like to thank uh, Anthony Pusick as well, who's always so patient and understanding with everything that I need to go through to put on this show on this Saturday morning, and Ray Dinahan, who uh, chips in tremendously as well. So there you have it. Joe Wiz is up next. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the hockey. We'll be back next week. It's the Hockey Show right here on 98.7 ESPN.